Welcome to episode 11 of the In the Name of Service podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Barb Thompson. Here, we broadcast stories of everyday men and women who've answered a call to serve in hopes of inspiring and catalyzing the rest of us to follow suit in our own way. Today's interview is with Trevor B. West. Trevor is a prior Air Force Special Operations Intelligence Analyst, real estate agent, energetic and entertaining MC, and entrepreneur. In today's conversation, Trevor takes us through his own story, highlighting a pivotal point in his life when an unexpected and major injury left him alone with his thoughts and completely changed the trajectory of his life. Listen in to hear how Trevor turns what could be perceived as tumultuous and difficult experiences into a story of life, hope, and purpose. If you've ever been fearful of the future or confused about the present, feeling as though you're just going through the motions in life, I hope you'll listen to Trevor's story. Fear, he says, caused him to take action. In humility, he chose to take just one step forward, believing that even if he fails, even if he makes a wrong step, life's GPS will reroute him using the shortest distance possible to get him back on track and that that detour may just be the most scenic part of the trip. Trevor is so much fun, and this episode is chock full of laughing at our mistakes and finding joy in the midst of it all. And that's what it's like to talk to or listen to Trevor. It's just a joy-filled place. Do not miss one of the greatest takeaways in this conversation. That is that people tend to underestimate the power of encouragement especially those of us that feel called to do the encouraging. Trevor believes that God speaks through people, and that means you. So today, I hope this episode encourages you to keep planting seeds in others, believing that in due time, they will grow into something amazing. If you'd like to be encouraged regularly, check out how to stay in touch with Trevor in our show notes. There you can also find links for some of the books he recommends early in our conversation. Thank you for listening. Okay, Trevor, welcome to the In the Name of Service podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. Start us off by telling us about yourself and your background for whatever that means for you today. (laughs) Yeah, I got you. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me. It means a lot that you reached out um, and you were always somebody that I looked up to. And, and you're always like this mysterious person at the unit sometimes because some you weren't always in your office, but people always had incredible things to say about you. So I appreciate that about you. And yeah, my name is Trevor B. West and I am currently living in Ohio. I was born and raised here. A small town. When I was in high school, I was on the football team. And when every all of my other friends were going off to college, I was like, I don't want to do that. I thought <laughs> maybe I'll go with everybody because everyone's going to be partying. Everyone's going to be having a good time. That could be really cool. And then I thought about all the schoolwork that I would have to do. I was like, that's just not for me. I was not a good student when I was when I was a young man. And my dad was not happy about that. But at the same time, I, I think that I knew what I wanted. And what I what I knew was that joining the military sounded way cooler than going off to college. Instead of putting <laughs> myself in debt, 
um, I would be going doing something that was enjoyable, at least that's or what so I thought. Or so you thought, no. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I grew, well, so when I joined the service, I wanted to join special operations. That's what I really wanted to do. I went to do my physical and I found out that I was colorblind. So this nicked all the jobs, all the cool jobs mm. that I thought I was going to be doing in the Air Force. And so the remaining jobs were all the nerd jobs, like Intel. So I said, <laughs> okay, I guess Intel sounds the coolest out of all these other things. I'd rather do that than be a cook. Not that there's anything wrong with being a cook, but it just wasn't in my purview of what I thought I'd be doing in the service. Yeah. And so I got picked up for Intel after waiting for about a year. And they made it seem like I was going to be James Bond when they wrote out the description for this thing. Like I was going to be shooting people in the face and kicking down doors and all these cool things. Um, You'd have but some I code was name. Sitting in a room with a <laughs> bunch of uh, oh yeah, exactly. And you know, when I was in high school, I joined the the ski club. And they called me the black bullet because I didn't know how to stop. And I would okay. just go down this, the mountain. <laughs> so, you know, I would, <laughs> maybe I'd get a cool nickname like the black bullet. But, but, yeah, I was just sitting in a room full of a bunch of other nerds watching terrorists take poops in their front yard. So it was a really interesting experience when I joined the service. And I would say that who I am, my background, I mean... But the military was really an identity solidifier for me because you identify with, you get all these different walks of life, all these new experiences. And I thrive in those types of environments. Mm-hmm. I'm an extremely extroverted person. I grew up in a, in a bigger family. So me, my brother and sister, we were all adopted into a family of four girls. So I was always around people and getting passed around from one family to the next family. It was something that I think allowed me to build relationships in in new and different ways. And that's something that I find to be extremely beneficial to my life now is building those relationships pretty quickly uh, with people that I meet. I would say it's something that um, has definitely aided in what, what I would call my successes as I just step through everyday life. Did it feel like that at the time? You literally just used the phrase being passed around from family to family. <laughs> well, I mean, so uh, there were like foster families and um, what my dad, he worked in a, a steel mill. So he would work 16 hour days, like at least three days a week, three to four days a week. So I have my spiritual family. I'm actually staying with them right now uh, while I'm in Ohio and just... And I grew up staying at different people's houses when I was a young man. Every weekend, I was at a new friend's house because my dad was always working and uh, my mom wasn't around. I was just living with my dad at the time. So it was an interesting upbringing for sure. Yeah, definitely a positive spin on it, though. And I can see how those characteristics were born through that experience. You initially got in you know, to the service because it's an, it sounds like you were looking for adventure, you know, something fun to do. I will say that you, having done a lot of assessment and selection for the intelligence community, you stood out quite a bit. <laughs> As, um, not many of them are extroverted like you are, but in any case, so you're in the military and it has become a like part of your identity, your core identity. So 
talk us through how or why you made the decision to transition out of the military. Okay, so my decision to leave the military, there's there's a number of different factors. I, I just want to frame it with, I loved the military. Absolutely loved the military. I got to do so many different things and meet so many different people. And somebody who, you know, just hearing my backstory, I was passing around. I was, you know, it, involved in a lot of different families. I learned the value of, you know, blood is thicker than water. I learned the value of, you know, you can choose your family. That doesn't necessarily need to be who you were born with. So I loved the military. I was pretty dead set on doing 20 years. My parents were like, hey, do your 20 years. Get that pension, baby. That's going to be your ticket. (laughs) And little did I know that they were kind of planting seeds of what I'll kind of how I transitioned out of the military. So I was living the young man's military lifestyle. I was living with three of my best friends and we were drinking every weekend Sometimes during the week, chasing chicks, partying, going, spending all our money. I was driving a car I had no business driving, just paycheck to paycheck. I was $20,000 in credit card debt, just stupid stuff. Yeah. And we thought it would be a great idea to join the rugby team. And it was. It was a great idea. So we're out there playing rugby with all the local rugby teams. And... Uh, of course, I love the sport. Incredible sport. Anybody who's listening, if you haven't played rugby, uh, definitely go out. It's a it's a humbling sport for certain because one day I was humbled. You know, I thought <laughs> I was out there crushing souls on the rugby pitch until one day I got crushed. So uh, on one fateful Saturday morning, uh, some gargantuan human being, he was like 6'8", 300 pounds, snapped my leg. And he, it, this this. My leg was just hanging like a meat hook. I mean, it was disgusting. And it put me on the operating table. I got my leg fixed and it put me on a cast on my couch. And this was a blessing in disguise because all of my roommates deployed at the same time. And, it, you know, listening to my story, I love being around people. I was always around people. I never took any time for myself. So with my wheelchair, my Netflix account, and a bottle of Percocets, I was succumbed <laughs> to being around myself for the first time in forever. I, I honestly, I could not remember the last time I was simply alone with my thoughts. Yeah. And when you burn through about 80 hours of Netflix, you start to ask yourself different questions. And the question that was burning inside of me was, what are you doing, bud? Mm-hmm. I had no plan. No direction. I wasn't happy. I thought that I was. Oh, yeah, dude, we're out here, you know, getting validation by trying to pick up girls or or be funny or whatever. I was living somebody else's life and I had no idea just blindly going along with everything. So I got really scared. I got fearful. But that fear t- like caused me to take action. So I thought I got to make some changes. I got to do something. Do I want to be in the military? Do I want to get out? Do I want to start a business? What do I want? And so I did what I thought you needed to do to be successful. I went and I took a math class. I said, I'm going to get my degree. Let me go clep a math class. So I'm doing Pythagorean theorem for the first time in eight years with a broken leg. And I'm just (laughs) hating life. I'm hating life. But I'm committed. This is, I'm going, baby, no matter what. 
So I get to the final exam of the math class and they wanted to proctor it because I, you know, they want to make sure that I hadn't been cheating, which I had been the entire class. So I quit. I didn't take the final exam. I didn't take the final exam. And I thought, okay, well, if I can be, that's not for me. If school is anything like that for the next four years, not for me. And so I thought, well, what do I need to do now? If I can be successful with my money, I can be successful anywhere. So I bought a bunch of books. They were all about finances, Um, Think and Grow Rich, The Richest Man in Babylon, Accounting 101, like a crazy, all these different books. And then I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you haven't read that book, I, I highly, highly suggest it because basically what the book did was it told me how stupid I had been doing with my money <laughs> and that I was going to live paycheck to paycheck for the rest of my life if I didn't make any changes, if I didn't buy assets instead of liabilities. So I sold my car. I paid off all my credit card debt. I was on a tear. And the guy who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a real estate guy. So I got really into real estate investing. And this was a catalyst that allowed me to step away from the military without having to think, okay, well, I need to have this specific job lined up. I need to be able to make this much money from from actually working. I bought a few properties that were bringing in residual income. That way, when I did decide to transition out of the military, it wasn't this huge, massive hit where I just take any job or do anything in order to continue to pay the bills that I have. Yeah. So that's part one, the mindset shift, mm-hmm. the, 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 the paradigm shift. And there was another a number of other things. So I was a pretty young guy at this time. I was probably 24, 25 at the time. And I had gone... When I first got to the unit at the 724 Special Tactics Group, this is a this is a unit that operates at a very high level, and I was a young guy. Yeah. So when I first got there, I immediately went to Afghanistan, and this was like the gauntlet. This is I always say this is the best and worst times of my life. Yeah. By far, because for four months, twenty hour days, I was the only Air Force guy there working with people who have been 15, 20-year veterans in service and and partner agencies, and we were doing some wild stuff. And it was terrifying. (laughs) And it was terrifying and incredible all at the same time. And I learned the value of working with people who are risking their lives every single day. Yeah. And this gave me, I mean, a point of pride because I I went out there and and I built relationships and I did a good job. And so while I was in the unit, I shifted my focus from Afghanistan to a different part of Africa. And I was like this, I would consider myself the guy who people would come to mm-hmm. for information here. So a deployment had come up and I was like, oh, dude, I'm a shoe in, baby. This is this is me. I'm going. I've been <laughs> studying this. And one of my CEOs, I, I didn't get picked up for that deployment. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is me. And. I had a conversation with one of my CEOs and she said, uh, there's a big difference between a 23 year old and a 27 year old. And I was like, hang on. I just got back from Afghanistan, you know, not too long ago. I've been putting in the reps. I, cause I'm a pretty jovial guy. I'm an extrovert. I'm just goofy. Yeah. Right. And I think that some people will take that as, well, you're not going to be serious. You're not going to take this as, as a big responsibility. And that, planted the seed. 
I need to be able to make my own decisions. Mm. I don't want to have to rely on somebody else to say how successful I can be. Mm -hmm. And this spun into other thoughts. Well, I can only make so much money here. I can only promote as fast as the Air Force will let me promote. And I wanted to have my time back. I wanted to be able to make the decisions for myself. So both of these things, the catalyst of the paradigm shift, plus realizing that I wasn't able to be my own person and succeed at the level that I wanted to succeed at because there's a ceiling. Those are the two things that started to push me to making the decision to leave the military. Okay. Well, and on your journey, you began posting these almost just like inspirational videos of the the lessons you were learning, like the pain points. It wasn't all roses. And you you shared that. Um, it was vulnerable. And I felt like it was courageous. And to those of us watching you, um, maybe those of us who are like, I'm going to stay in this maybe dangerous but predictable position because the unknown is like too scary. But here you were doing it. So what motivated you initially to begin kind of sharing this journey and the lessons you learned and encouraging others? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And so like I had mentioned, I was living with my three best friends, right? And I had, they came back from their deployments and were like, who is this person? <laughs> they were, like, I, we would go out all the time. I was not going out. I was no longer leaving the basement because I was learning about, I was getting my real estate license. I was doing all this stuff. And I had all this stuff in me. I'm a pretty positive guy. Yeah. Like, I tend to have a positive outlook on life. And, you know, I, I was trying really hard to get my friends to understand, and they didn't. And for a long time, I was like, why aren't you understanding? Dude, this is how life is supposed to be lived. And then I realized this isn't, I can't force anybody to live this way, think this way, be like this. So I wanted to have an outlet and I figured social media is pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. And it it started with a a 30 day consistency challenge because I believe consistency is key to be successful at anything. Just like when you get to the you know thousandth episode of a podcast or you do a thousand reps or 10,000 hours of anything, it takes a while. So I, I wanted to utilize social media so I could have a bigger reach and just impact people. If I could just affect one person positively, I, I would see that as a win. Yeah. And there's so much curated content online where it's like everything's perfect and nothing's perfect. <laughs> nothing's perfect. No. Ever. So I wanted to be able to to share that. And because I had gone through that shift, it was so impactful. I was like, whoa, there is a whole other side of life that I never even realized was possible. I can create for myself. But for the 25, 26 years up until this point, I had no idea it was there. I was blinded. I was living behind this veil, doing things that other people said that I should be doing. And I just wanted to be able to share that message with people that we are all unique. We are all, we all have gifts, talents, and abilities that God has instilled in us. And when we start to tune into the frequency, mm-hmm. which is that, mm-hmm. that greatness, just like you were saying at the beginning, Barbara, like uncovering over time, as you get to know somebody or as you start to uncover what your gifts are, they get more profound. They get more prolific. They, they start to emanate from you and then compoundingly 
you can create a life that you never thought possible. God will put opportunities in front of you that you never even dreamed could be your reality. And I think that people really underestimate the power of encouragement. Mm. When you just, when you place a seed, when you plant a seed of encouragement in somebody's life, like, Hey, uh, you can do this is, is really important. And sometimes I say hard things to the people that I love, like my friends, I would say hard things. Hey, I think you're really screwing up in this area. Right. I think that the truth of that, we we are living in a place where we are just, again, so curated. So we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to speak the truth because everybody has their own version of the truth and live your best (laughs) life, boo, because, you know, that's going to be, no, we're leading people to death and destruction by not speaking the truth to them. Yeah. And if we don't have the truth in us, if we're not living that for ourselves, then we're just going to live in this crazy world where nobody has any direction and we're just going like haywire. And so <laughs> long way to answer. That's why I wanted to share that message online. Yeah. I mean, we could just remain self-focused and distracted until we die or yes, or not. So what have you learned about encouraging others? That it doesn't take that much. Yeah. It really doesn't take that much. I would say it takes two things. It, listening, genuinely listening to people is is so encouraging. And then asking questions. And when you ask people questions, sometimes those hard ones, like, so wh- where do you see yourself in five years? This was a big question that I would ask people all the time. Where do you see yourself in five years? 9.7 times out of 10, people would have no idea. Yeah. But just this simple question, it's encouraging because it's, it was for me what I guess God had said to me, where are you going? <laughs> I have plans for you and you're being an idiot. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes we just need that, that person. God speaks through people. Right. And just asking people questions about th- thoughtfully, what's your life realistically look like? Are you happy? Are you living the life that you thought that you'd be living? And that just, it's again, it's not on me to try and change people, but how can I encourage people to think about their life in a different way? Yeah. Well, I would imagine just like me, like other people are drawn to you and confide in you. Does it ever feel like it's too much? Never. (laughs) (laughs) I, this, it energizes me so much. I love it. I absolutely love it because it made such a massive impact in my life that, dude, I mean, we are, I was living a life that just made no sense. I I was, I was doing all these things and I had no idea why I was doing them. So if I can, and it doesn't need to be where I'm, I'm immediately getting the risk, like I'm received, oh, this person made a change or this person thought if I could just plant that seed. Mm Mm-hmm. If speak that because I feel like so many people don't speak that encouragement to people. Yeah, it's it's it energized. I'm an extroverted person, as I mentioned earlier. So <laughs> anytime that I get to talk about so, something of depth with someone mm-hmm. or listen to something about depth from someone is is really an, amazing for me. It is a gift to be in that position to support other people and possibly be a catalyst or plant a seed in another person's life. But who does that for you? Like what 
keeps you motivated to being that positive influence on people? Yeah, that's a great question. Great question. So I have two answers. Um, God is, is number one in my life. None of the things that I have are mine. God has placed all the gifts, talents, and abilities, the shirt on my back. He's, he's given it all to me. Um, so I, I believe it is my duty to uh, honor him and be encouraged by him. So that's spending time in the word. That is going to church and being around like-minded individuals. That's just, yeah, that, that encouragement primarily comes from the Lord, but also, I mean, relationships are the spice of life, <laughs> just relationships in general. And I'm not talking about just my friends. I'm not talking about just my family. Um, I'm in mastermind groups with a bunch of other people. So a mastermind is a, is a group of people who come together on one cause. For example, I'm in a real estate group. We buy apartment buildings, mobile home parks, RV parks. Um, and everybody has this general sense of we care about not just creating wealth in our lives financially, but wealth in our relationships, wealth in our health. Mm -hmm. And when you can come together with people who are doing things better than you, that's an incredible place to be. That's powerful. And then proximity is power. So proximity to Christ and then proximity to people who have other gifts, talents, and abilities that you admire and are similar to yours and can allow you to grow. And sometimes you have to pay to be in these rooms. Most of the times, if it's valuable, you have to pay to be in the room. Yeah. And I'll pay for friends all day. I will pay for <laughs> friends because when you pay, you pay attention. You're getting a higher quality. And I heard this example the other day when... You go to Walmart, there's a vibe, there's an atmosphere, you people, there's memes all over the internet of <laughs> the vibe that Walmart gives off. Now you take that same shopping experience to Costco. There's a whole different vibe at Costco. The, the people are nicer. The, the people are healthier. The people are, there's just a different atmosphere. And what's the differentiator? It's that $100. It's that $100 a year membership fee that completely changes mm -hmm. the vibe of that experience. So um, I would rather not leave it up to chance all the time. God does place people in my life for a reason, but I'd rather not. I'd rather just go get in the right room and work it out from there. Yeah, I would imagine you pay in other forms of, well, not just money, but it, it takes humility and courage to share in a group of people who have maybe more experienced than you or, you know, just the way you perceive them is to have more experience or more knowledge or more skills. That takes a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I guess there's the, a third one would be uh, having a mentor. Mm. I mean, having a mentor is anybody that you've seen who is do operating at an extremely high level. They did not do it on their own. Right. They certainly didn't do it on their own. They had a mentor. They had a guide. They had someone who's been there, done it, and isn't afraid to allow you to go 10 times further than they ever did. And I think that that's something that uh, is, we all prideful. I'm been in a place of pride where I'm going to do this all on me. It's me. And then that's really just, that's just bondage. Mm -hmm. um, shackles limiting my own personal growth. Yeah. Let's say there's someone out here who's, or out there who's resonating with your story, who feels called to do something 
big, like in the service of others, but doesn't know how or where to get started. What is your advice for them? And I, I've been talking about this recently on my social media is finding what your superpower is. Yeah. And your superpower is simply what's easy for you, but challenging for other people. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go and carry the entire load, but is there somebody out there for example, the way that me and my business partner work, I'm very people oriented, as you found out <laughs> throughout this podcast. My business partner is not. He likes spreadsheets. He likes doing nerd things. And that's great because I hate it. So I want to leverage out my weaknesses and he leverages out his weaknesses. So finding somebody who has that similar cause, a similar way to serve, and how can I just go help them? How can I just help somebody who's already doing it? And that'll start to reveal to you, hey, this is how you get started. Just take that one step of obedience. Take that one step that might be a little scary because that's that's the thing is we're, we're so scared to step out of what feels comfortable for us. Why do you think we're and scared? I think we're scared because we're told when we are children, hey, you can be anything that you want to be. You can be whatever you want. And then you get to a place where you're like 14 and we're like, ah, well, <laughs> what do you, oh, what do you think you want to do for the rest of your life? And then when you get 16, 17, the pressure's on. You need to figure it out. Go to college. Go do this. And then real life, quote unquote, real life sets in because that's the, the message that comes across. So you need to do this, do this, and do this in order to be successful. Anything outside of that, you're going to fail. You're going to you're going to meet some challenges. And I do think that we have conditioned ourselves to, to shy away from challenges, to shy away from what's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that is scary because what will people think of us? That's huge right now. We're in the economy of me right now. <laughs> Everybody is doing it's, it's me, 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 social media, me, me, me. Everything's perfect. And if I fail, what if I fail? Oh no. What do people think? Maybe people won't love me. Maybe I won't be enough. Maybe I won't make it. Maybe I'll, uh, whatever the case may be, something will happen that will lead us to a place that we will be dead, (laughs) basically. (laughs) Um, And I think that in order to beat that fear, because fear is just um, false evidence appearing real. Right. False evidence. And these are beliefs. Beliefs that are in us, whether we're children, whether we're teenagers, something traumatic happened, or maybe it's just something minuscule that shifted something in our mind that said, I'm not enough. I can't do this. And when those fears present themselves as self-limiting beliefs, then we just think, well, this is what life really is. And just I had mentioned before, I was living behind that veil of self-limiting belief. I had no idea if I just peeked my head around the corner, which is that step of faith. Mm Mm-hmm. That step of courage and and courage isn't being fearless. Courage is having fear, but taking a step anyway. Right. Taking a step towards something that's bigger than you. Taking a step towards something that you know has placed in your spirit. If you feel that, if you have that thought in your head, that's your spirit knocking. That is God saying, hey, good and faithful servant, take a step towards me take a step towards your calling towards your purpose to that thing that is in you already just take a step towards it and it might be this just take the smallest tiniest baby step possible we don't have to go jump off the cliff no we just need to take that that step and 
for, for me, that step was taking that math class. I realized <laughs> I hated math. That's not for me. I need to uncover some things in order to figure out, hey, what is it that I'm actually, I actually want out of life? It took me three to four years to figure out that where I'm at right now is a great place for me to be. And I'm, and I'm walking in, in purpose. Mm-hmm. It took me three years where people think, well, if I need to make that shift, I need to have it all figured out. Right. No, we just need to have one thing that we know we can take action towards and take a step towards that. And a, a great way to explain this is uh, Patrick Precourt. He's a, he's a peak performance coach and he's, says it like this. If you're, if you've ever been in a parking lot and you put uh, an address into your GPS and you get to the street and it's, you don't know if you're supposed to go right or left. You're like, Oh, which, <laughs> which way is this thing want me to go? I don't know. And you take the wrong turn. That GPS is going to reroute you. Right. The GPS is going to reroute you exactly to your destination, the shortest path to your destination from when you took that wrong turn. Even if you took the right turn, you're just going to go on the path. So so we got to fail in order to get to where we want to go. And that failure can just be a little one. Yeah. And it helps you grow. It gives you more experience, right? So exactly. Awesome. Okay. Well, I've taken up enough of your time today, but I'm just so thankful that we had this conversation. Any parting words before I let you go off to the rest of your day? Find out what that step is. Yeah. The the best way to do that, at least in my mind, is get out a journal. Get out a pen and paper and just write down, what do I want out of life? What do I actually want? Figure it out. Get it, make something tangible that you can manipulate. You can come back to. You can read it. You can share it with somebody. You can share it with your spouse. You can share it with your best friend. You can share it with your accountability partner. And this will start to work out. Okay, well, I wrote this down, but I don't think this is actually it. Start uncovering. That could be the smallest step possible mm-hmm. is actually uncovering. Hey, what is it that I actually want to do to serve? Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you so much, Trevor. Thank you, Barb.